Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined today by Tish Hamilton. Hello, Tish. Hi, Sarah. It's good to be here today. Yeah, it's been too long. It's been too long. I know nothing about what you're up to. Um, Are you training for a fall race? I am training for a fall race. I'm actually going to race the New York City Marathon Mm -hmm. on November 3rd. And Mm -hmm. I said race, but I actually mean run because I did (laughs) listen to you and Amanda last week. (laughs) I'm going to run the New York City Marathon on November 3rd. And uh, it's kind of a... um, a milestone marathon for me because it was my first marathon mm-hmm. in 1989, mm-hmm. uh, which is 30 years ago for yes. those of you doing math. Uh-huh. Um, so it's kind of cool to go back and do it again all these years later. Awesome. You have, though, done it many times since then, right? I think this is going to be my 10th time doing it, but I wow. got to check the record books. Wow. Because how many marathons total have you done? Again, I think it's around 55. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> over 30 years, though, so so that's less than two a year, I think. Uh-huh. Yep, 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 yep. Even I can do that math. Yes, yes. <laughs> wow. So um, just the, do you ever regret that you didn't put that effort into running a marathon in each of the 50 states? Well... Uh, interesting you brought that up. Um, yes and no. It's an expensive in- endeavor. It sure uh, is. And, and mm-hmm. it's lo- logistically challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the subject of today's topic, I know when we get into it, we're going to start talking about uh, people who DNF'd or did not finish. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my most significant DNSs, which is did not start, was mm-hmm. my sister's. My sister did the 50, 50 state. Oh, I didn't know that. And yeah, and she did Twin Cities as her 50th state, oh. and I was supposed to do it with her, and I uh-huh. had to bail at the last minute, which which is a sort of a lingering regret. Oh, and when was that? She, um, 2014, I believe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And why was it that you could not start that race or you did not start that race? Uh, I had a foot injury, mm. um, and, uh, you know, you just can't. I mean, that's, that's all my did not starts are all about either being sick with a cold or having some kind of injury with that. You know, it, it was like, it's it, not something you can fake. Right? <laughs> 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 not for 26 miles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You cannot phone that distance in. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, that's exciting that and your ha- sister did that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really cool. And how about you, Sarah? What are you uh, up to running-wise? I heard on the podcast that you were thinking about maybe dropping into the 10-miler at Twin Cities. Are you thinking about doing that still? Oh, my gosh. It's so funny that you asked that because this past weekend I was in Spokane, Washington. I emcee the Happy Girls race out there, and I just love it. It's so much fun. It's an annual tradition. I, I really like the town of Spokane and, and, um, so, and happy girls races, their women's races. Anyway, um, somebody while I was there said, Oh, so are you going to do the twin, you know, the twin mile, tw- sorry, twin cities, 10 miler. 
And she said, you mentioned on the podcast. I'm like, oh my gosh, totally forgot that I mentioned that on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's like having an oral diary. Um, So... (laughs) Uh, um, right, you have to be careful about what you say in public because people might hold you to it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so no, that was a passing whimsy. Um, yeah, just it's um, it's the ten miler starts before the marathon, and it's just I'm staying at a like my focus when we're in the Twin Cities is. Um, being at the expo, meeting people, selling merchandise. We speak at the expo. We have a podcast party. It's a ton of fun. We do a shakeout run on Saturday morning with women. And it's just a lot in the weekend. A lot of it, it, however, is St. Paul focused. And um, the marathon starts pretty far from downtown. I don't know. It's nine or 10 miles from downtown St. Paul is at the times I've like kind of looked to see, oh, well, could I run part of the course? I'm like, wow. The start of that course is a really long way from here. That'd be a really expensive Uber ride. So, no. And, you know, it's just very... Dra- you you've, you used to work races when you were at Runner's World. I mean, you know it's... Um, you get pretty tired doing a lot of appearances and things like that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. When I when I worked at Runner's World, I had the opportunity to go to a lot of races. And, mm-hmm. and, and it is so much fun to do seminars and talk to people and be mm-hmm. on the expo floor. But at the end of that, it's, you're completely drained. And mm-hmm. I did run a few marathons while working, mm-hmm. but I never ran what my fitness would have indicated I would have been able to run. Oh, right? interesting. Because by the time I got to the starting line, I'd be like, okay, I'm completely exhausted. Now i got to go run 26 miles. Like, how am I going to get through this thing? Yeah, the uh, one of the first um, race expos I worked was Portland Marathon in 2010, so about nine months after Run Like a Mother came out. And I did actually qualify for Boston the following day, but it was a slower, I could have had a bit, little bit bigger cushion um, than I did. And right. so um, anyway, so yeah, so I am not, I'll just take a pretty run along the river in St. Paul. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I, as and you- that's probably the best solution, because honestly, you know, when you were speaking about it as a fantasy on uh, last week, I was thinking, well, of course, you could go finish it. You yes, know, you could finish mm-hmm. 10 miles today if you had to. Mm-hmm. But would mm-hmm. it be fun? Would it be pretty? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And with my um, with my weather luck, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that to all the people in Twin Cities. Like it, it means it would be <laughs> right. super hot or it's going to rain. Right. So, you know, because I'm not running that 10 miler, I just know it's going to be good weather. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're sacrificing. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so as you said, we are going to be um, talking about DNFing, which means do um, do not finish or did not finish. And I just figured that at this time, you know, as we enter the fall racing season, you know, unfortunately, there are gone people who DNF. And so I wanted to help people understand that they're not the only people who DNF, um, kind of the logistics of it, you know, how do, when you're at mile 16, and you hear a pop or, or injury flares up something like that, like, how do you step off the race course and then get to where you're supposed to meet people or get back to your hotel or your house or whatever. And then also perhaps more importantly, how to get over it kind of mentally and accept it mentally. So, um, so as you said, dealing with the, dealing with the fallout is, is gotta be difficult. So I was wondering, Sarah, have you ever DNF'd? 
I have not, I should say to my recollection, I have not DNF'd. <laughs> um, no, I have, um, as, as you have as well, I have um, DNS'd. I have, um, did not start a few races. Um, I mean, there was one you mentioned, you know, that sometimes you've done because of a cold, same thing. <laughs> that um and one of my cats is like jumping up and jesse just kind of pranced over my keyboard right now and alex kind of lunged <laughs> lunged at it so it's all good it's all good um so there was the shamrock i think i was signed up for the 8k and it's a huge race i think it's the biggest race here in portland it's in march it always has really crummy weather and i was fighting a cold i was doing the race as part of a really big ramp up um, training cycle for a marathon and there mm-hmm. was rain predicted and I, and my coach was just like, you know what, just do the run, you know, here's a workout, do it tomorrow. Let's not put you in a race situation. Um, and it was, it did indeed rain on me that day. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, the thing about having a cold or a cough, you know, it's like in some ways it's air quotes, just a cold, mm-hmm. but, uh, it can really, you know, it can they can linger, especially when you're marathon training and your immune immune system's kind of compromised, mm-hmm. and it can linger for weeks and weeks, and that, and that's just no fun at all. So it's better that yeah. you pull out. Yeah, I mean, it seems kind of like silly, like oh, it's just a cold, but you know, mm-hmm. it, it, mm-hmm. in especially in part of the bigger picture marathon training cycle, that was, in my opinion, a smart move. Oh yeah, yeah, and the, the, you you hit the nail on the head when you said part of the bigger picture. That that's what you have to, you know, depending on what the race is, if it's your goal race or if it's a race that's part of a training cycle. I mean, that the, you, you got to play it perhaps differently depending on where right. it falls in your cycle. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one, speaking of marathons, I was um, 2015, I was part, Dimity and I were part of this um, Saucony program where we each chose a cadet and then we were um, going to be running the Chicago Marathon with them courtesy of Saucony. And I fractured my ankle um, in numerous mm. places early on in the cycle. And I just felt so badly about letting my cadet down. She was this woman, a local woman here in town who I knew through Phoebe's soccer team. She was another uh, parent of a player. And I and her name's Laura. And I just always would enjoy talking to Laura on the sidelines of soccer games and in practice. I just was so looking forward to getting to know her better and help her on her journey. It was going to be her first marathon. And I'm like, oh, no, I, that's it. I'm out. So, yeah, that, that was a bummer. So, yeah, that that is it's a bummer. And, mm-hmm. and it's, again, hard to deal with sort of the mental fallout as well as like and you also need to recover, you know, mm-hmm. from your uh, ankle injury. Yeah, I yeah. was at. um uh, Hawaii Ironman about a decade ago with my then husband and mm-hmm. at the pre-race dinner um, somebody got up and was talking about being there at the Hawaii Ironman and um, she had a fracture a stress fracture in mm-hmm. her foot but she was still going to do the race mm-hmm. and ride her bike in a boot and hobble through the, the oh, marathon in a boot and everybody was like, yeah, yeah, way to go tough. And I'm like, no, oh, I don't know about that. Like, should we really be cheering on someone? Yes. <laughs> and I like. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and 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 you know, I, mean, I think, and I get it because Hawaii Ironman, you have to qualify for. You got to pay like you know almost a thousand dollars to enter. You got to stay there for five days, so it's a lot. 
mm-hmm. an investment of training and money, but but yikes, you know, oh. on a broken foot, is that oh. really, I don't know, it's a hard oh. call. My gosh, it's like, you know, you sometimes will be at a half marathon and you see somebody walking it in a boot and it's like, yeah. oh, that is just really not, not a good move. I mean, as you know, there's always other races, but you only got one body to run them with. And yeah. Oh gosh. And uh, I mean, that just, I just think about walking, I don't know, my kids into school when I had a boot on and that was an ordeal, you know, but to go th- right far further than that, that's un- unbelievable. But yeah, that that's kind of, um, Kona Ironman, um, mentality that, yeah, if it's really hard, yeah, we celebrate that. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> and I don't want to be judging this poor person who was dealing with all of that, but I do want to judge everybody who like cheering her on. Right. <laughs> we cannot condone this, maybe. people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. I think that's called enabling. <laughs> right. <laughs> Have some researcher stand up. Excuse me, this is a classic case of enabling. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> excuse me, I don't think that's a really good idea. Shut up! <laughs> right, throwing their dinner rolls at her. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Well, we will talk with three women who have DNF'd in a race after this quick break. Stay with us. You don't want to DNF this episode. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Our first guest today is Kat Shea. Kat is the mom of three kids. Her family lives in Southern California. Kat is a pediatric registered nurse. So glad you could join us, Kat. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Hello. So, all right. So remind me the ages of your kids. Sure. Um, my daughter is almost 10. And I have a son that is eight, and I also have a son that is three. Yay, (laughs) three-year-old. And Kat, tell us about your running background. Sure. Um, I mostly like to do trail ultra running. I sprinkle some marathons and half marathons in there. Um, I ran pretty much my whole life, but I would say I picked up the, the effort um, and the importance of running after I had my babies, I don't, it just sort of became a focus for me. Um, so yeah, been running a long time. And today we're talking about, uh, uh, runners who enter races and, and do not finish DNF. And so mm-hmm. tell us about your story. Um, I, I understand you're in an ultra race, a hundred miler, maybe yikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe it was, it was early on in the race. So tell us the story. Sure. So the race that I DNF'd was, um, called San Diego 100. And that was this June. It's a race that I've kind of eyed for a long time because I volunteered at it for the five years previous in medical roles or just volunteering at eight stations. Eight stations are sort of set up every seven to 10 miles along a hundred mile race gives you food and water and there's volunteers there just helping you out along the way. Um, So I really had a lot of passion about this race because like I said, volunteered and I just really wanted to do it. Um, And for me, the DNF happened mile five of a hundred miles. Perfect, perfect day. The weather was perfect at a notoriously hot race. It wasn't going to be hot that day for once. And um, it's a pretty technical course, very rocky, and I 
rolled my ankle uh, and experienced what I later found out was a high ankle sprain and tore all the ligaments all the way around my ankle, halfway of my shin, um, at mile five of a 100-mile race. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, that sounds really, really painful. Was that really, really painful in the moment? Extremely painful. My foot, I mean, I roll my ankles, you know, it happens maybe once a month or so at trail running. That's just sort of part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But this I knew instantly was going to be a lot worse than a typical ankle roll because it immediately swelled up like there was an egg on the outside of my ankle, just immediate. And I, and I couldn't, I couldn't run. I tried and I, you know, you're in denial at first when you have an injury mid race, mm-hmm. but I, I couldn't push through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So if you're on a trail run and you're at mile five and something like this happens, how do you, I mean, you, you probably knew right away, okay, I'm not going to do the, the next 95 miles, but how do you get yourself <laughs> out of it? So, This is the cool thing about trail ultra running is that people will quite literally stop their own race to help you. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I had the other 200, you know, entrance of the race passing me by and they can see this girl is hurt. And I knew a lot of them because it's a pretty small community and every single person stopped. Are you okay? What can I do? I'm going to tell the next aid station that you need help. Mm -hmm. Clearly something's wrong. And you know, you're like, just go, just go. Like you don't want to, stop anybody else's race for your own self Mm -hmm. Um, but really all you can do is hobble to the next aid station because you're in the middle of nowhere you know Mm -hmm. what what are you supposed to do i'm not gonna you know call for a helicopter or anything for a rolled ankle Um, (laughs) but in the moment you just you got to get there and for me what happened was the um, race director his name is bj and he's actually a close friend hiked all the way back (gasps) the two miles that i was from the aid station and hiked with me the, the remaining so he hiked out and then hiked back with me to the aid oh, station. That's very that's nice. Good, good person. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, so in a Facebook post on the Bammer Bastard page, mm-hmm. I, should, I should have mentioned, Kat, that you are one of our Bammer Bastards. Um, so oh, yeah. in, in response to another Bammer who had to drop out of a race due to an injury, you wrote, I've learned the most from my DNF and races that didn't go as planned. Use it to fuel the fire. You'll come back stronger. So could you elaborate on that, please? Absolutely. So this is actually not my first DNF. Oh, okay. Got to take you back to 2014, my first um, attempt at a mountain 100-mile race. I'd done sort of flatter loop loop 100-mile courses, but this my first attempt was the Tahoe Rim Trail 100-miler in 2014. And um, I DNF'd at that race at mile like 67, and I can't tell you a reason why I did, except that I think my mind wasn't there. In oh. any endurance race, I think that if you don't start the race, 100% committed to finishing instinctively your body and your brain will say mm, 67 miles good enough I'm done because mm-hmm. it's just sort of strange to push through and run a hundred miles at a time I think it's just not a natural thing that your body wants to do mm-hmm. and you know physiology will take over and tell you to quit it's just what I'm saying is it's just too easy to quit I think mm-hmm. given the circumstances and mm-hmm. so from that experience I, I learned exactly that and that's what I tell people you know, in, in, in any endurance event, it doesn't matter what distance. If you're not in the mindset when you start, I am absolutely finishing this race, and, you know, unless, of course, you experience a high ankle sprain at mile five or whatever <laughs> else physically happens to you, you're not going to, I think. So it's very important to sort of think, think about how you're going to hit the wall or 
it's it's not going to feel good the whole time whether mm-hmm. you're running 3.1 miles or whether you're running 200 miles mm-hmm. it's not going to feel it's not supposed to feel good the whole time and how are we going to how are you going to face that so that you mm-hmm. don't quit and then look back and say I don't I can't tell you why I quit except that my mind wasn't right so mm-hmm. that's what I mean by you can learn the most mm-hmm. so Kat what what mm-hmm. when when you did that race was that did you say that was your first hundred miler that you dropped out hundred mile like mountain trail hundred mile okay yeah okay yeah so and I want you to know I I, yes yes go Go ahead ahead. (laughs) oh no I just want you to know I went back last year and I finished that race and the victory tastes so much sweeter when you 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 know you go back to a sort of tame the beast I guess oh of course of course gotta get that that monkey off your back right yeah exactly (laughs) exactly but what I want to know is, so you, you, you dropped out at 67, and it was just sort of a middle yeah. thing. You're like, yeah, I'm done with this. I don't need to finish. Yeah. What did yeah. you learn? And because, you you know, you always, no matter what race, you always go through a low moment. So what did you learn uh-huh. to get yourself past those low moments? I just learned basically that when you're going to run a 100-mile race, that is going to be one of the hardest, if not the hardest things that you ever do. And, and I learned what that feeling feels like to be in the middle of the night freezing cold, you know, very calorie depleted, your mind is not thinking clearly at all. I learned how to push through that to, Mm -hmm. you know, when physically you're okay, it's just that you feel like maybe you're not. I learned how to push through that. I don't want to call it pain, just discomfort, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, just exactly how that is supposed to feel in endurance running. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. So, and I mean, when in that 2014 miler, I mean, how long mm-hmm. were you debating? You know, was it at mile 30 started thinking, oh, a long time. Th- it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. I would and, say like seven, 17 miles. Like, this is not fun anymore. We are not, this is just, I'm not having this. Wow. Altitude's getting to me. And yeah. I think I just, my fueling was off. I didn't have enough calories in me, which just makes your mind all funky on top of just mm-hmm. feeling depleted. Mm-hmm. I, I was just. I slogged on for 17 miles before I finally said, I'm done. Wow. I like this little aid station here with the heater and the cots. I'm just going to stay here. So it was, do you think a little bit of it was the comfort factor at that aid station? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And just not going into it, like embracing the fact, I guess they say embrace the suck, right? I I just went into it, not realizing what exactly that meant. And I learned from that experience what Mm -hmm. that means. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And and your brain does go first before your body does. And your brain says, ah, I think we're going to be done here. And sometimes all it needs is a few animal crackers or pretzels or, you know, cookie <laughs> yep. or something to, to get some sugar to it so it can say, oh, okay. And Tish, that, Tish, that <laughs> is such survive. a good point. Like, Tish, that is such a good point because it, another thing that I learned is that you just take some time. Just sit there for 10 minutes or 5 minutes or 30 minutes, depending mm-hmm. on how much time you have to waste, and get some fuel in talk to somebody you don't need to just make a rash decision especially if there's not a physical reason why you're dnfing like you know fast forward to this summer when i dnf because i i I was forced to dnf Mm -hmm. you know i didn't there's no way i could carry on for 95 more miles when i couldn't even walk um Mm -hmm. so i think that's a really good point that you make sometimes we just need to take a step back Mm -hmm. get our mind right get our fueling right or whatever fix fix whatever problems are happening whether that be hydration or whatever and continue on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or they right. say, take it to the next aid station. Give it one more yeah. aid station. Give it one more mile. I think that's a really mm-hmm. good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to admit, I am taking furious notes, so that's why I wasn't talking. Oh. <laughs> because that was that was some good adv- advice. Yeah. Well, I think one more thing. One yes. more thing for me is that the af- I don't know if you're going to ask this question or not, but the aftermath of the DNF is probably the hardest part, especially yeah. for me with the injury because. I felt a tr- this is feelings I didn't expect. I knew I was going to be crushed and sad. Like I trained for a year, if not five years for this race prior where I dreamed about it. And I wanted to be there and I wanted to experience, it's going to sound sick, but I wanted to experience the lows that you feel in a, in a hundred mile race. That's the whole reason I signed up and I didn't mm. get that chance. It was kind of robbed for me, but then the feelings I did not expect to feel was the guilt of, of even like this is just it's a frivolous it's a hundred mile race just to even have the opportunity to start is such a privilege i felt mm-hmm. tremendous guilt for even feeling sad that this this race didn't work out it's, i maybe especially working in healthcare, i see mm. a way worse things that can happen and so i feel like i kind of diminished my feelings maybe towards my family or friend like ha huh, it's just a race you know mm-hmm. but to us it's it's not just a race like this is my outlet and I worked so hard for this race that I never even got a chance to to try. And I, I don't know. The guilt is something that I just didn't expect I would feel. Like I wasn't allowed to feel sad about it because it's just a race. Right, right. So how'd you work through that? Um, I, I got over it. <laughs> you know, in the end, there's always there's always other races. And I'm going to, you know, hopefully if, if everything works out, I'm going to try it again next summer. That's all you can do, you know? And, and I know from my past DNF that it'll feel even better when I do complete it. So mm-hmm. there's that. Yeah. I think you have to give and, yourself a little time to, to feel sorry for yourself because, you know, yeah. as you say, you have trained and invested a lot of, of your time and energy in, in attempting this goal. And you have to validate mm-hmm. your, your you know, your loss, right? It's a loss mm-hmm. that, you know, it's a little bit of grief over not being able to do it. And and so mm-hmm. you know, like let yourself wallow a little bit, and then you can kind of fit, find your way out of it uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and get on yeah. to the next challenge. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think there's some embarrassment that goes along with it too. Sure. I think that there shouldn't be. I think there's a stigma with you know the word DNF, but mm-hmm. I I don't know. I actually just had a conversation with friends about this last week. There's a stigma with with DNFing, but the thing is, in the end, it's it's our own race. We can be enough for whatever reason we want to. We paid the money. We put in the time to train or we didn't put in the time to train. It's kind of on us. And so it sh- there shouldn't be a stigma with mm-hmm. DNFing, but there is. So I think there's a little bit of embarrassment that goes with it, especially when you see your friends continue on and finish and, you know. You know, I totally hear you on the, you know, have, you know, then you have the reactions of your friends and people, you know, and things like that and kind of um, juggling with that. But do you feel it's also exacerbated in our social media age? I mean, you have a good number of Instagram followers. You post the most beautiful running shots. Um, (laughs) do, do you think that, that there's some of that, that, that you feel like, Oh, everybody knows I'm out here. You know, I've shown all those pictures of my training runs and now there's going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We talk ourselves up. We're like, okay, here I go. Wish me luck. I'm going to be running a hundred miles. And then you, stop at mile five mm-hmm. which there's totally a stigma attached to that i think but it, it, it's our own race you know it's our own decision to dnf um for whatever reason that is an injury or you just aren't feeling it that day or mm-hmm. maybe something ter- terrible is going on in your life outside of running and you just you just right. can't do it that day but there's absolutely a stigma attached to it mm-hmm. and i think there shouldn't be there should absolutely not be but whenever you see someone dnf you're like oh you know are they weak or 
whatever, but, but they're mm-hmm. not, they're just human. Social media can be like it can be great if it when it holds you accountable in terms mm-hmm. of like getting out there like okay I got to do my training because I put it out there that I'm going to mm-hmm. do this marathon and then it can be mm-hmm. a, so it's a blessing and a curse and then it's a curse when mm-hmm. things don't go as well as you were hoping and and you don't feel like yeah. explaining it to everybody in the whole world totally <laughs> and I feel like I ha- for me personally I had like a great year last year I had really I was coming back after having kid number three. Right. Mm-hmm. Which in itself is like, yes, I'm doing this, you know, I'm back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a great race after race after race. And then, you know, you just feel like you got punched in the gut when you have one race, especially one with an injury where you're just, I mean, my whole summer was destroyed because of this in- injury. And, you know, I haven't really ran very much lately because of it still. So I think mm-hmm. that you sort of, I don't, for me personally, I've definitely disappeared a little on social media. It's like, what am I supposed to post now? Mm-hmm. Sort of right. embarrassing. Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. Well, well, I'm going to, um, you know, once again, praise your pictures on social media. Be- and the, one of the questions <laughs> is, one of the questions is, you get the, like the world's greatest run fees. Okay, yes, you live in Southern California. So there's fields <laughs> of blooming mustard plants, or, you know, the ocean uh-huh. behind you, you know, um, and, but so I assume you take those with the timer on your phone. But you know, you got to give us some pointers, because I, to, you know, use my timer. The few times I've used it, it's like, oh, there's me like not in frame. There's me, you know, it's more a picture of those parked cars instead of me. Like, you know, <laughs> give us oh, advice. Gosh. I think <laughs> my friends are way more better about taking pictures than me. I think that's the key is you just got to have friends that are into it. So you're not like, oh, excuse me, will you take my picture? And they're like, oh, we're t- I think we call it our photo shoots. We don't even call it we're going running. We're just going on photo Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kind of kidding. But, you know, we, we don't, we're not afraid of taking pictures and celebrating the run. What can I say? Uh-huh. Okay, so those are not rumfies. Those are pictures that other people are taking no. for you? Uh-huh. No. Okay. I mean, I have done before with the timer and all that stuff, but. No, I don't really. All right, because I was like, "Wow, she's really good at that." So, so, so now you've dropped in my estimation, cat. You know who cares that you DNF? But man, those aren't rumfies. Forget about it. So, you can take a video and screenshot. How about that? Oh yeah, you know I heard that. that That just that's like a young person thing. That's showing the difference in our ages, cat. Like that just Ah. wouldn't occur to me. I think I'm actually at a point like who I just don't have. Who's got time to go out? Oh, the time! I haven't done any beautiful. I haven't done beautiful running lately. I guess I feel like I don't. Nobody wants to see me pushing my stroller, like being dragged by my dog down the street. That's sort of my life right now. (laughs) We all would like to see that because that's real. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because we can relate to that. I like this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you're. I mean, you're right. Just to tie it back in, like I think there is a little touch of sadness and embarrassment with a DNF. And I sort of feel like mm-hmm. I'm still clawing my way back to mm-hmm. feeling like myself again after it. You know, I've really, I've taken mm-hmm. like three months off of running from the injury and mm-hmm. I just feel I'm over it completely over it. In fact, excited mm-hmm. for the next challenges, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. You can see wow. that in my social media. But, but I, I have to say, I think you're coming back quickly from what sounds like a really major injury. I mean, is yeah, is this normal that. to come back that quickly? Well, I did PT all summer, two times a week. Mm-hmm. I love PT. PT is my favorite activity. Mm-hmm. I always learn so much when I go to PT, especially if you find mm-hmm. a good sports one. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I worked really hard all summer to get back. And also, just taking a break is really important, and I think something I don't do enough. And I think maybe I just mm-hmm. maybe that's what the injury is for, is your body telling you you need a break. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you live in SoCal, so it's summer all year it's round. It's not hard. It's, not, it's true. Know, so, so, I mean, okay, yes, there'll probably be heavy rains this year, you know, but, but other than that, you know, and that'll just bring more, more blooming flowers. So it's all, it's, it's true. all good. Yeah. Now we have yeah. the bug problem. Post super oh. bloom is the bug problem. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. a, you know, cue the Hakuna Matata. You know, it's a circle of life thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I just had all sorts of other questions, but I think we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us, Kat. Sure. Yeah. My pleasure. Okay. Thanks, and we want to we want to see those mundane, you know, you pushing the stroller, the parked okay. cars, the whole bit. Okay. So <laughs> the bags yeah. under the ice. Got it. I can yeah, do this. Yeah. Okay. Bye, Kat. Bye, guys. Our next guest is Lindsay Farocco. She tells me it rhymes with taco. Um, and uh, Lindsay is the mom of two kids. She, in June, moved from Virginia to Texas, which is kind of a marathon in its own doing, I can imagine. And um, from um stalking her on social media it looks like uh, Lindsay's a half fanatic so thanks for joining us Lindsay oh thanks for having me yeah so Lindsay uh you have two kids how old are they and uh boy girl yeah so my daughter Emily is seven and Tyler just turned nine like two weeks ago all right and um Tell us about your uh, running and athletic background. I think maybe you were also a triathlete. So tell us about your tell us about your story. Yeah, so I grew up playing team sports and always kind of was that person that hated running, mm-hmm. but was like super jealous of, of all my friends who ran because I thought they were like superheroes because running was so hard for me. <laughs> and then one day I woke up and I was 30 and was a stay-at-home mom of two kids under two and had no idea who I was anymore and was just desperate enough to try something new. <laughs> and so my husband came home one day and I handed him the baby and I put on my shoes and I ran out the door yeah. and I made it about half a block before I realized that um, it was the worst decision of my life. And <laughs> And was questioning everything I had ever decided to do. But uh, all told, I ran, walked about two and a half miles that day, came home, collapsed the floor and was like, I need to do this. Like, this is my thing. I've got it. And so that was about six years ago. Um, About two weeks after that, I decided to sign up for my first marathon. Um, I couldn't even run three miles, but I signed up for a marathon. That's kind of how I do things. (laughs) Um, And then from there, I ran three marathons, decided that was good enough and was going to be a triathlete. So I signed up for a 70.3. I needed to learn how to swim. So I got someone to teach me to swim. Mm -hmm. I taught, had someone teach me how to cycle because I knew how to ride a bike, but couldn't cycle. Mm, I like that Um, distinction. Yeah. And the shifting gears and hills and things got me. Mm -hmm. But then I did two 70.3s, decided that was good and needed something new. So I did Ironman Texas in 2016. Got real tired after that and took a break (laughs) and then came back and um, signed up for Marine Corps Marathon. Oh, no. I did Richmond Marathon 2017, Marine Corps Marathon 2018. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the one that I DNF'd mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then took some time off and now I'm back. So yeah. yeah, well, that's so my running history. So walk us through that uh, Marine Corps Marathon DNF. Sure. So um, starting that training cycle, looking back on it now, I probably never should have even signed up for that race. Wow. Um, I was coming off of a really great year in 2017. I ended up running a sub four hour marathon at Richmond. That was my my PR, 
and was kind of burnt out, was tired, didn't really want to run, but felt like I should run. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to sign up for this race. I signed up with Ainsley's Angels, which is an organization that matches uh, athlete riders with runners. So we, um, we push the wheelchairs and the athletes ride in their wheelchairs and they kind of pull us through the race. Um, cause I needed something that was bigger than myself. I didn't want to run it. And so I need an excuse. This is what I did. And so uh -huh. I signed up and I started training and I was miserable the entire oh. time. Just hated huh. it all. Did not want to be training, did not want to be doing anything. Um, it's kind of like Kat was talking about last one, which by the way, I don't know how to follow that story cause I was not running a hundred miles and I did not break my ankle. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but... Stop. Every, everybody has their own valid story, Lindsay. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so anyway, looking back on it, like in the moment I, or while I was doing the training, I was just kind of like, you know, this is just, I'm just tired. I'm just overtrained. It's fine. I'll push through. I had never not PR'd a race before, oh. which sounds awful. Like mm -hmm. thinking about it, like, I'm like, oh my God, I want to throw things at myself. But I had never been in that experience of having it be that difficult before. And so mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I just need to push through. It's okay. I'll get to, I'll get to race day and everything will be fine. Well, I got to race day and everything was not fine. I, from the, what Kat was saying, how are we, like, you have to be mentally in that place. And I just wasn't like, I showed up to the, I, oh, the day before we had gotten to DC that the day before. And I looked at my husband and was like, I don't want to be here. I was oh. like, let's just go home. And it was oh. that mental place of just being like, I was, I didn't, I didn't want to, but I just, I felt like I should. And so I did. So I started the race, um, really started it in a bad place. Mm. and went from there so mm -hmm. Mm. and and tell me again how how far did you make it into it before you call pulled the plug? 17. 17 well I got to about I got to 16 my husband and kids were on the course um they walked with me for about another mile but like from the moment that I saw them I just started crying oh. and I was just like mm. I don't I don't want to be here and I was in pain I, I did I was nursing kind of a back injury um my lower back had tightened up and it just I would have had to walk the last nine miles, which, I mean, I finished an Ironman. Like, let's face it, I'm not a stranger to being in that place of like, this hurts and I don't want to keep going. But I had never been in that place before where I looked at them and was like, no, I'm done. Like, I'm I'm ready. Like, I, I did 17 and I'm okay with that. Right, mm. right, so, mm. right. And the Marine Corps Marathon, I, was, I can't remember if it was warm last year, but I do know that that last 10K is on a super exposed highway. So you're really like basically like marching through the sun. Uh, which if you're, if you're not really into your, your head isn't there, that's not going to be any fun at all. Um, no. And that's what it came down to. And that's what I looked at. My husband's like, are you sure? Like, he's right. like, you can finish this. And I said, I know I can finish this, but I don't want to finish this. Mm. And I think that was the distinction for me was right. like, I just looked at him as I could, I could walk, but my choice is not to spend the next two hours walking the last of this marathon. It's not worth it to me right now. Right. Mm. So I've been on that. I've been where your husband has been before with a partner who said like, I'm done with this. And, and, and it's hard when you're the, like this person who's supposed to be cheering you on. Cause you're like, well, you can do it. You can do it. But like, if you don't really want to, then I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> let's go have brunch. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, that's, and he didn't know what to do. Like he's never seen me. Like, like he's seen me in dark places before, obviously. Cause he's my biggest right. cheerleader, but he was like, are you sure? Like, right. we're okay. Like we will walk with you. He had volunteered my, my 
at the time they were eight and six. He was like, we'll walk with you. We'll walk the last six miles. And I was like, no. <laughs> oh, <bad> idea <laughs> I was like, that sounds like the worst idea ever. Right. Is that a threat or a promise? I know. <laughs> I was like, are you sure? Um, and so I just, and I was like, no, I was like, honestly, you know, I, I was disappointed. I was crying. I texted my BRF who was also, she had driven from Maryland to spectate Danielle, who oh. shout out to Danielle. She loves y'all. Um, I texted her and I was like, I'm done. Cause I had seen her at mile 13 and I was doing okay. I wasn't in the greatest places, but I was happy to see her um, and was doing all right. But it was between like 13 and 16 ish that really, I was just like, no, I don't, I don't want to do this. And I knew I have run Marine Corps before. So I knew what was coming right. and I knew that stretch of just kind of desolation when you're in there are parts where there's crowds but there's a lot of just yeah you're just kind of death marching your way into the end if you're in that place yeah and so which I was so 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 yeah. here's an, here's another question about that so because it wasn't a catastrophic injury like you didn't break your ankle or your foot so it's just sort of a mental thing pulling out I'm wondering if you did you did like you know do you wake up a, a day or a week or a month later and go oh shoot I wish I had finished that Oh, I forget on the drive home. I was like, oh my God, did I do the right thing? Because mm. I'm a very, uh, I don't know if you noticed, I kind of like jump into things. I don't really <laughs> go halfway. Who uh -huh. uh, signs up for a half Ironman when you don't know how to swim? Um, <laughs> this girl. But so, yeah, on the drive home, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I did this. And I and there was a lot of shame that came with it too. Like I didn't know how to deal mm. with it. But I think looking back on it now, I needed to be in that place and I needed to go through that to get where I am today. I needed mm -hmm. to have that, you know, I didn't go through this and I made the choice and the stories that I was telling myself was, you know, you're a failure. You didn't get there. You told everyone you're going to do this. Like what, like you're a bad person because you didn't finish. And so, you know, as I processed through that, I was really kind of gifted the idea of we get to create our own reality. Mm -hmm. And so I got to change that story from I'm a failure. I didn't finish this to I completed 17 miles when I didn't even want to do one and that's mm. success in itself. And so mm. it kind of brought me through this whole place where I'm at now. And this training cycle is going so much differently than my last one did um, where I am at this place of remembering why I started. And it wasn't to run PRs. I started running because I thought that I couldn't run. Like mm -hmm. I, the thought of running a marathon, I figured that it was like what superheroes do. And I was not a superhero. And then I did it and I proved myself I could be that person, but I had lost sight of that along the way. So I feel like I needed to go through that to get to this place that I'm in now where I'm remembering why I did that. And so. So you were able to, to reframe your narrative from I'm a failure who dropped out to, okay, I, you know, I made it 17 and I made the right choice for that day, maybe. So I'm wondering how, like how you got to, to, to the place where you go, okay, I need to, I need to flip this and this is how I can flip that and how you might tell somebody else, like, you know, someone else who's, who has to DNF or someone who, who, you know, is struggling to move past that. Like, how would you tell them to, to help figure out how to get past it? Oh, sure. Of course. Actually, I love that you asked that. Cause I feel like this is like where my life is pulling me right now. And like, so mm. like Sarah said, we, I moved from Virginia to Texas and this is actually like my second, our second trip through Texas. Um, and I call have called like this upcoming cycle that I have is like, I've framed it as like coming home um, because 
I, t I started running with the last time we lived in Texas and I'm training for the same races that I trained for that year. Um, and so I feel like I've come back to here, and, but going back to where you're questioning, cause I kind of like went off on my own little tangent there for a second. Um, <laughs> my degrees are in psychology. And so it's not, I, I know what to do. I know how to talk myself through it, but I feel like until you really have been in a certain place, you can't go back and use those techniques. Like I knew what to tell people, but I didn't really know what they meant until I had been there. Mm -hmm. And so as we've made this, this transition, you know, I'm once again, a stay at home mom, two kids under 10 now, um, they're at school all day. And so I've really had to stop and go, okay, well, what do I want to do with my life now? Like I, because of their, the way their sports schedules are set up and their school schedules are set up, it really limits my career opportunities. And so I've had to kind of rediscover what it is that I wanted to do. And I've gotten to this whole thing of life coaching and, um, I'm working towards run coaching and kind of being that person for other people that says like, Hey, the stories that you tell yourself and the way that you treat yourself is going to be your reality. And so I just went through this whole kind of acknowledging in my own shame, walking in my own shame, understanding what it needs to means to be vulnerable and what that can teach you. And so um, really this whole path of moving and working through this process of going like, Hey, it's okay to fail. It's okay. And, and what is failure? It's just a lesson. And so, um, you know, the things that I tell other people I have, Oh, Oh, Oh. Um, so the woman who actually inspired me to run, to take up running was another mom, mom friend of mine. Um, both of us have kiddos that were due in September of 2010. That's how I met her online. She was a non-traditional runner and I, you know, used it as a means of working through postpartum depression. And um, I figured if she could do it, that I could do it. She's the one who, who inspired me to run. She was diagnosed with cancer this year um, mm. and ended up with a, having a radical hysterectomy. And just before she went under, she signed up for Disney Marathon, which was the first marathon that she ever ran and the first marathon that I ever ran. We ran it together. That was my first marathon. So mm. she signed up for it. And I was like, you know what? That's it. That's what I have to do. And so when I was searching for this place of what I was going to do and what my next run was going to be, because I haven't run a race since Marine Corps. And I was like, okay, I'm going to run, I'm going to run Disney and I'm going to run it with Laura. And so, mm. you know, having her go through something like that and, and seeing what that meant really kind of made me stop and work through like how big are my problems actually and how can I treat every day with being grateful for what I have. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of where I've gotten through how I've worked through this whole process. So. That was a really long-winded answer. Sorry, Tish. <laughs> and when when is your race? January. I'm actually running the Doping Challenge in January. Oh my oh. goodness. Yeah. So again, you're jumping in big. <laughs> yeah. So the Dopey Challenge is a four. It's four races in four days. It's a 5K on Thursday, a 10K on Friday, a half marathon on Saturday, and the full marathon on Sunday. And what's super fun about this is that um, there's 12 members of my family that are all going. I've talked to everyone oh, into going awesome. with me. My mom, my dad, my husband, and my two kids, and my niece and nephew, who are um, 10 and 7, are running the 5K with me. I'm running right. the 10K alone. My brother, my sister, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law are all running the half. It's all of their first half, so they're running that with me. And then I'll run the marathon with Laura on Sunday. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. That, so that's on my list. And then um, breaking news, because I just registered for it, I signed up for Ironman Texas 2020. So I really am going back and revisiting all of my first races. That's why the theme for this year is coming home. I'm redoing wow. all of the best. Wow. So. 
And then because the um, partial monkey on your back was the, that you had never not PR'd, as you said, how are you, so it obviously sounds like you've left thinking like that behind, but here you are going back to these races. So it seems kind of only natural that you might think, well, oh yeah, well that first Disney I ran and so-and-so and Ironman. Yeah. So talk about how, because that, that, you know, okay, so we're veering off the trail a little little bit, but you know, that is such a, I think a, a number of people have those thoughts. Right. So the best thing about going back to your first race is that's the slowest I'd ever run. Right. So <laughs> I automatically am like, yeah, I'm way better than that. But it also, I, it was taking it and really understanding that my focus was no longer about hitting a pace. And my husband will laugh at me. And my actually, Danielle is going to laugh at me when she hears this too, because she listens, she'll listen to this podcast. And I actually talked to her last night because um, I've been struggling with going, I'm not running fast enough mm-hmm. um, because I'm working through some health issues right now. Um, and in that panic and my husband looks at me and he's like um you're not running this for time like you need to stop like i'm mm. ju- i'm not putting up with you right now like get out <laughs> of your own way i, I think i think if you're doing the dopey challenge the time goals have to go completely out the window the t- only goal yeah, is exactly. to, be to get to the finish line exactly uh, and, well and that's the other part of it okay and, yeah. and and you know refueling and recovering in this short little tiny window that you have to go out and and run again and that actually is a you know it's going to be a blessing for you because you you know you better not be pring at that oh i know right <laughs> and i think it helps too that i'm running with other people because let's like let's face it like my seven-year-old is not she's run 5ks before with me but she like is not out there you know setting any land speed records or anything so and then with my brother and my sister and them, it's all of their firsts. And so they're run walking in. So they'll actually help. Perfect. It'll be ni- a nice a nice distraction of like, okay, well, we're just going to run their race. And, you know, we're out there going to have, the goal is to have fun. And so. That's and, perfect. That's, that's, that's yeah. good to have a different purpose for that, that event than, than setting exactly. a time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I so approve. That'll be fun. <laughs> Thank you. I feel validated in my life choices now. We need to get a a badge for that. Tish approved. I do. I did. I should. You know what? I think I'll make a little sash to wear during it. I'm like, Tish approves of this. It's okay. We only make fun of people we love, Tish. So <laughs> you didn't know you're gonna you're being called on here today to be judged. No. By. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's fine. Trust me, people have judged me about a lot worse things. That's good. We're fine. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, keep us posted, Lindsay, on all your races in January and everything. Um, it's been really interesting talking with you. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. All right. Who do I get to judge next? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Hello, Erica. Next, hello. <laughs> yeah. Great. I I just caught the tail end of that. I don't know what ta- I don't know what I'm in for now. We like to put people off balance beforehand. And uh, I want to say, Alex, you are not cutting this bit out of the podcast. You're leaving this in. So, so that voice that has joined us is might sound a little bit familiar to you. It's Erica Richards. She is a repeat guest. Last year, Erica uh, was on the show talking the show that was talking about starting running in different decades of life. So thank you for joining us again, Erica. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have, I know you have two kids and they are now adults instead of children. Is that accurate? 
I almost. My daughter will be 18 in November, and then I'll have two okay. two adults. And my son's going to be 20 in January. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So, Erica, for um, for those of us who are just catching up with your story now, um, can you give us a little bit of a, a quick background on your on your running background? Um, sure. I started distance running in 2008. Um, I have done, let's see, one ultra marathon, seven marathons, mm-hmm. over 30 halves I've lost count, um, mm-hmm. and then a, a few duathlons, a few triathlons, uh, a Ragnar relay, some 5Ks, some 10Ks since then. There you go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned to me that you have several DNFs on your resume before you get to the big one, which is the 2018 Richmond marathon. Tell us about mm-hmm. the other ones, please. Um, the other ones was, uh, were two half marathons. Um, one where I actually, both of those two half marathons, I went in injured. And so I kind mm-hmm. of probably shouldn't have even started those. So, they were disappointing, but kind of like, I, I just sort of brushed them off because I, I kind of expected to not be able to finish, I guess, kind of hoping to finish, but expected not to finish. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing. I had, a, I had one DNF for a 5k where I was coming off of an injury. It was a tur- local turkey trot, you know, right. You just drive down the street and I was like, oh, nope, that's not going to work. And I just turned around and went and sat in my car and waited for the rest of my family to finish. So <laughs> not they weren't they were dnfs but they weren't um uh crushing i guess <laughs> <laughs> they weren't they weren't surprised dnfs really no no they weren't i mean you know one of them you know they, they still sting especially the halves because you put so much time and effort into training um but in reality it, it you know it just wasn't meant to be Mm-hmm. So then, um, so then last year for Richmond Marathon, um, that one was not as expected. Tell us about, tell us the story about what happened there. So I went into the race. I had a, I had a decent training cycle. It wasn't my best, but it wasn't my worst. I had no injuries going in. I was feeling pretty good. I was mostly concerned with my time goal. I was trying to qualify for Boston. Um, they tightened up the requirements. So I kind of was on the fence whether to go for it or not, because I really didn't think with the new, the new, um, time limits, I was going to be able to, um, come in another five minutes under what they were asking. Um, and it just, the injury came completely out of the blue. And so I, yeah, it was, it was pretty devastating. So, so what was, I mean, did you hear something pop? Did something snap? Like what happened? Where did it happen? And, and what did you, what was the dropout process like? Um, the, it's right around mile five, I felt a tightness oh. in my calf and it was a very uh, deep tightness, not like uh, I can stop and stretch this out sort of thing, which I did try to do. Um, I made mm-hmm. it to about mile six and I, I, I stopped and tried to, to um, stretch that didn't work at mile six I stopped and I tried to massage I just couldn't get into where it was tightening and then I just it was painful to run and I I was only at mile six and I knew that it it just wasn't going to happen and I hobbled probably I mean 
my, I, I think my biggest um, lesson from this is you need to know where the medical tents are <laughs> along the course because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I had never, um, no, nothing like this had ever happened to me where I didn't think I could walk to a medical tent mm -hmm. or find one. So mm -hmm. I ended mm -hmm. up hobbling about maybe another mile and found um, a couple of police officers. Um, they called an ambulance, which I didn't really need. I just needed to ride back to the hotel or the start. Mm -hmm. um, so they, the ambulance people checked me out and then I got a ride back to, uh, to my hotel. So mm -hmm. that's the story. So uh, mile five or mile six in a marathon is really early on in a marathon. So obviously, you know, if you, if you, something's tightening up and off, you're, you're not going to be able to, again, you're not gonna be able to fake the next 20 miles of this thing. Um, but tell right. us about this, the tightness in the calf. Did this turn out to be um, an injury? Like what did, was it diagnosed later? What happened? So um, I, I'm not really sure what happened. Um, it also happened to me in my subsequent marathon, but I was able to uh, hobble to the finish line for that one. Um, mm. So I, I, it's probably a combination of things, uh, mostly self, partially self-diagnosed. One is that um, my, I have very weak glutes, so I run with my calves. So my calves okay. get, take a beating. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing that after, after the marathon, I was diagnosed with a plantar fibroma in the arch mm. of my left foot so it was my right calf that um mm. that seized up during the race so i think i was maybe compensating for um maybe some impingement in the um in the arch of my left foot um so right that, compensatory compensatory injury uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it works so, its way up the kinetic chain Ugh. yep yep mm. So, did yeah, you so feel that's my, have you felt any of that in your training before the race? No, no, absolutely not. And that's why I think it was such a shock that it happened. I, I was not expecting any of that I at all. And um so I think that's what made it such a horrible experience <laughs> or DNF out of all my DNF. That's that was the worst. Plus it was a marathon. So and then, I mean that's just yeah. months and months of training. Mm -hmm. so, so yeah. and then when it happened again were you like no 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 no. i've i've seen this episode before this isn't <laughs> the one we're playing like... yep yep exactly <sighs> exactly so yeah. about six, month, six months later um mile seven of my next marathon oh, trying to qualify or at least at least run a race and finish it and feel good about my time race a redemption race mm -hmm. mile seven mm -hmm. and um i was lucky in that i had a huge cheering squad my family was there some friends were there and i saw them quite frequently and so as soon as mm -hmm. i started having a problem i told them i said okay time goal out the window i just want to finish i'm having a pro i'm having mm -hmm. the same issue so they knew what was going on and they cheered louder for me a mile 24 i got a little anxious to get to the finish line and that's when i felt a pop in my calf and <gasps> so i don't know if it was mm. something releasing or um uh or a tear or whatever it was but um i was gonna finish so i pre i hobbled those last two miles my family met me they started walking towards me and i started hobbling towards them and i crossed oh, that geez. finish line and uh and i yeah so it's it's been a it's been a tough year <laughs> what what race was that that was the main coast marathon 
Um, I had run it before as part of a 39.3 challenge, and it's an absolutely gorgeous course. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, when I was looking for a redemption one, I, I mean, it's close to home. It's beautiful. You know, if all else fails, I'll have a beautiful day and run by the beach. And, um, but, I, but I finished, so I was happy to finish. So, so your, your calf muscle gave you trouble again. I'm curious about like how how do you recover and uh, try to like have this not happen again? Are you doing any physical um, therapy? I'm not. I've sort of stepped back from um, any type of distance running at the moment um, since May. Um, I've sort of focused on other things. Um, my plantar fibroma on my but um, still bothers me. Um, so I need to go back to the podiatrist to have a look at that. Um, it, there's nothing you can do about it. It's just a little tumor, a benign tumor, um, but mm-hmm. it gets irritated from running. Um, I do need to sign up for PT. So I'm basically running a few times a week just to stay sane and a little mm-hmm. bit fit. And um, I will eventually, I, I kept saying, once my kids go back to school, <laughs> I'll go see the someone about some PT, but I haven't, haven't made it there yet. So after, after Richmond, I'm thinking you had a lot of disappointment and Mm -hmm. um, regrets and all that stuff. I mean, how did you work through that psychologically? Um, I cried a lot (laughs) in my hotel room. Mm -hmm. Um, I was with Mm -hmm. a group of friends from the Little Rock retreat. Um, We we do races together. And so um, I, you know, kind of had some shoulders to cry on and they were very supportive. It was really hard though, because, you know, some of them had good races. Some of us didn't have great races and it's hard. You, you, you sort of, I felt really guilty about not being able to cheer as loudly as I wanted to for their successes and also be able to empathize with those who didn't have good races like me. So it was, it was difficult, but I was very fortunate that we were all together. We went out to dinner after the mm-hmm. race, and it was, you know, I still had, you know, if people asked me how I was doing, I would well up, but um, good to have running friends around you who understand what happened to you. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, 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 it's hard. It's kind of both ways, right, to have your friends, mm-hmm. your running friends there. It's both harder and easier because – if you know they had good races and you want to cheer them on but you also want to you know you can't well, you, nobody can help feeling a little self-pity in that situation right right and you know they were all great they were like you know you know we get it you sh- it's okay to cry it's okay to be upset about it and i was and i you know and they were very supportive um so that was that was really uh it was it was great having them there cuz i i think i would have kept going down and down and down into that, I think I would have cried a lot longer if they weren't with me. (laughs) Right. And who but running friends can understand that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So Erica, what what advice would you have for other people who are trying to find their way back out of disappointment of DNFing? Um, well, um, maybe I'm not the right person to ask that question to, because I'm not sure I have come out of it yet, but, um, I think you have to be honest with yourself 
and with your your training and with your um, your aches and pains and what you what you know about how you're doing during a training cycle. I think some of the things that I did learn was I wasn't doing enough in terms of um, cross training, in terms of deep tissue. I kind of threw deep tissue massage out of the, uh, out of the picture because I was feeling pretty good. So you know why go? It's time consuming. It's money. It's you know, and I right. think I just wasn't honest with the full picture of my training. Um, mm -hmm. So I think people c tend to look at how many miles they're doing and what paces they're hitting and um, don't concentrate on the whole, the whole picture. And there, there was, you never found an answer for what the, other than possibly it was a compensatory injury. You know, there was never like a, Oh, that sound you heard was your calf, blah, 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 blah. Like there was never any definitive answer. Uh, no. Um, but to be honest, I never went to the doctor to find out what it was because it mm. healed on its own. So, um, oh. I, I didn't, I recovered without needing, mm -hmm. you know, any intervention or, um, you know, the, in November for Richmond, the recovery was longer than I expected, um, which meant it was a good thing that I dropped out. Um, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it took me a couple of weeks to even think about going for a run. And then when I did, I was like, Oh, nope, not ready yet. And took another week uh -huh. off and then went again. And it was like, Nope, like I kept trying and it was, uh -huh. it was a longer recovery than I expected. Um, and then in May when it happened, um, I, I actually bounced back quicker from, from that one. I was able to do some short runs a couple weeks after, and I, I didn't have to keep starting and stopping to start back up again. Um, well, yeah, you know, kind of, the, I, the thing is, and, and when you're talking about, you know, like that's actually a pretty short window uh, in between November <laughs> and May, like, you know, in the bigger picture, right? Um, and, and, yes. and what you were just saying about, you know, listen, considering the whole, right? And so, so yeah. smart that you went out and, and, in November and like tried and like, oh, nope, not ready yet, not ready yet. But, but you, that's a pretty quick comeback to, to do another one in May. So, um, you know, uh, you have to like respect that too. Like, it, it, you know, respect that you, you brought your body back really a long way in a, in a short amount of time in the big picture, of course. I know I probably felt really frustrating yeah. at the time. Uh, but you know, yeah, no, I, and that training cycle, the training cycle actually for the May marathon went pretty well. I felt like I, I hadn't lost much fitness from taking most, you know, mostly, you know, uh, November and December and part of January off. I felt like I, once, it, once January hit, I felt like I hit the ground running for my next training cycle without any issues. And I was doing regular, um, deep tissue massages to make sure if there were any knots or kinks or anything that they, right. those were getting worked out. So, um, so yeah, I, I think PT is, is the next thing in my, my future to kind of round out the picture and cross training, which I hate to do, but you know, <laughs> it has to be done. <laughs> do you have something well, I'm put on, on my... your calendar? Yeah. Do you have another event on no, your calendar? I do not. I do not. I ran um, the Beach to Beacon in August, uh, which is a 10K in Maine. Um, it's the Joan Benoit Samuelson race. Yes. Um, yep. But that's the only that's the only race that I have run since my marathon in May. And I had a blast. That was fun. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. 
um, well, well, putting on my dimity hat, I think, um, getting yourself to a PT and doing some <laughs> cross training, t- uh, strengthening those glutes. Now I'm really got my yeah. dimity hat on. Yeah. Yeah. Strengthening those glutes and, <laughs> and, and go back at it. So, uh, yeah. thanks for joining us again, Erica. I always love talking with you. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, talking about Dimity, here she is doing a quick Q&A with our mother runner of the month who's talking candidly about an important topic. Hey, everybody, it's Dimity here, and I am here with our mother runner of the month. We've got Amy Landis here, who is a marathoner and a mother runner in St. Louis, Missouri, who was nominated by her awesome sister, Melanie. In her post, Amy opened up about her running addiction and eating disorder. But before we get to that, I want to hear a little bit about your running. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the Another Mother Runner podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So one of the things that you put in your post, which um, got me really uh, teary, was talking about your favorite memories of running. Talk about um, your relationship with Melanie and how many races you guys have done together. It seems like a lot. Yeah, I wish we would have kept track long ago. I know Melanie herself has run 50 marathons. Um, five zero? Five zero, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, um, I wish we would have counted how many of those we did together. Maybe she did, but I didn't. Um, but there was a lot. Um, I don't live, she lives in Portland, I live in St. Louis. Uh, but the years that we were in Oregon together, we ran the Portland Marathon probably, oh, 10 years in a row. Okay. 11, maybe. And we did Hood to Coast every year for many years uh, within that time as well. And uh, just, um, you know, random marathons here and there in um, Oregon, Washington, Northern California. And you guys ran Boston together, right? The year that it, one of the years when it was like 90 something degrees. Yes. I don't know. That, I'm really bad with years and numbers, but it, yeah, it was one of those years that was miserable, but, uh, we ran together the whole time and actually ended up having a really great time, even though it was 90 degrees or so. Exactly. Cool. Cool. Well, and, um, and the reason why Melanie nominated you is that you are coming back from what is arguably much harder than a marathon, which is getting over an addiction to running and an eating disorder. And one of the things that you said was, um, you know, it was, I didn't start this process thinking, I think I'll start having an eating disorder. It sounds like it was kind of a slow roll into it. Can you talk a little bit about how it developed? Yeah. And it was a very, very slow, um, process and like like you just said I didn't think oh I think I'll have an eating disorder so I will be a better runner um I started marathoning and it was clear that I was pretty good at it and I thought um you know I'd like to be even better so I started reading articles about training and eating like a runner and I had no time thought I need to lose weight and that will make me a better runner I just wanted to feel healthy and fit and lean And um, I wanted to live the runner lifestyle. And that meant um, really watching what I was eating and restricting calories from where I was, you know, before that time when I didn't even think about calories. I just, I ate like a normal person. Um, So it was, yeah, it was a really slow kind of, kind of downward process. And I didn't like lose a ton of weight really fast where people noticed. Um, I just, started adding miles and subtracting calories and you know it took a while for people to notice and for me myself eventually i did realize like this is not normal 
this isn't healthy. This is, this is an eating disorder, but I didn't, I didn't realize that at the beginning and I didn't go into it thinking that's what I was doing. Sure. Sure. Well, and one, another thing that you emphasize um, in your writing is um, about how recovery, it really has got to be your responsibility and your choice, which um, again, it's, it feels kind of different because I sometimes have this idea of like putting somebody into recovery or a treatment center and, um, but it's really got to come from inside, right? Exactly. And there were times when I thought, I wish someone would take me by the shoulders and shake me and say, I'm dragging you off to recovery and you're going to get better because I was, I was miserable, but I wasn't miserable enough to take the responsibility for myself at those times. And until, until I hit that point myself, there was nothing that anybody could have done to force me to change. Um, was, had, was there a certain tipping point where you were like, okay, time to, time to change something, Amy, or was that also just kind of a, a realization over time? Um, it was, it was a realization over time, but once, once I hit that tipping point or that low point, um, even though I, I have experienced a relapse recently, for many months there, there was no turning back. Like once I decided I'm going to do this, I went all in and, and did it. I started eating copious amounts and quit running. And, but until that point, yeah, it was a lot of back and forth in my head. Like, do I want to do this or not? Do I want sure. to give this or not? So. I mean, it kind of sounds like you're throwing like the determination to run uh, a marathon PR into your healing. Is that accurate or is that a little too neat? No, absolutely. I mean, it's <laughs> the two hardest things that I've ever done is run a marathon and quit running a marathon. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. It's really hard to try to explain what goes on in my brain. And um, I know a lot of people don't understand um, so that's why, you know, making this so public is hard, but, um, yeah, running and stopping running are two very hard things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, um, one of the things that, um, you talked to, I mean, one of the hardest things for you that you said is, is not running at all. No rest. I mean, no rest, all rest. I'm sorry. No running. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, because that is such an outlet for so many people. Have you found other things that, you can do that um, bring you some semblance of joy or some semblance of that accomplishment you felt while running? Are you on the hunt for that still? Or I am definitely on the hunt for that. Um, <laughs> these days, it's a lot of Netflix and that kind of thing, but I know I can't do that for the rest of my life. And obviously that doesn't give me the satisfaction and reward that accomplishing something like running a marathon does. And I do hope that I can find something to replace it or, I don't know, maybe way down the line, be able to run normally and healthily again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, good. Well, and so talk um, just for a minute, if somebody is in a position like you were, or in some chapter of that, of that journey, um, what do you recommend? I mean, again, I know everybody has an individual case, but you know, you found some really nice resources that have worked well for you. I did. And uh, leading up to the process was just a lot of reading. The internet's great for that. If you stumble upon helpful information, there's a ton of stuff to read and a ton of stories like my own of people who have successfully been able to uh, combat this. Um, I think I mentioned Tabitha Farrar uh, mm -hmm. has a lot of good information. She's my personal recovery coach. Um, Kayla Rose Koteki, I don't know if I'm saying her last name right. Um, same kind of thing, a lot of good information, YouTube videos, 
Um, and the Eating Disorder Institute is um, edinstitute.org, I think. Uh, just, you could read for days of information, scientifically backed research and information and personal stories um, that really gave me a lot of hope. And when I was at that, you know, at that very low point, gave me hope and something to, to reach out to and to support what I'm doing. Awesome. Well, thank you, Amy. I know I speak on behalf of AMR and the whole Sarah and the whole AMR community. When we say we wish you the best, we hope that you find um, a new normal, a new healthier normal, and um, and bring back uh, some joy and some happiness as well as some some healthy habits into your life. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. All right, we got big we got big news. Our fall 2020 retreat registration opens on Monday, September 30th, otherwise known as probably this Monday if you're listening to this episode right when it drops. And we think it's going to fill fast because it is here in Portland, Oregon. Um all right, that is Alex clapping because he can just, you know, sleep in his own bed after uh <laughs> rec- helping us do the podcast recording. Um and in addition to, if you come to it, you get to meet Alex, um, Jack, my husband's going to show up, Augie, yes, Augie, my French bulldog, uh, Jack will bring him down for an event, um, Molly, my best running friend and occasional co-host, she'll probably be there for the entire retreat, another one, my co-host, Ellison, she's going to drop in on us a few times, including leading a group of gals to world-famous Powell City of Books. The host hotel is lovely, restored historic property. It's the first place I ever stayed in Portland, and it's right downtown. It's the Embassy Suites by by Hilton, downtown Portland. Downtown Portland. It is a mouthful of a hotel name. We just call it the Embassy Suites. Um, so we're still working out race logistics, but chances are very good that we're doing a race that offers a 5K, a 10K, and half marathon distances in a beautiful setting about 25 to 30 minutes outside the city. The dates for it are Thursday, October 22 to Sunday, October 25, 2020. Again, registration opens Monday, September 30th. Or if you're in the Many Happy Miles program, our annual membership program registration is already open. Uh, So like I said, uh, we predict it's going to fill up fast. So head on over to anothermotherrunner.com and click on the drop-down menu retreats on the top and it'll take you there. If there's any husbands who want to come and uh, pick a basketball with me. <laughs> go roller skating, that. playing chess. Skating yes. So, so there's a lot do to all. do here. Yes. But, um, yes. All right. Well, um, we hope that your many happy miles do not include a DNF. <laughs> <laughs>